Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And one more for me, well, welcome to Love Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Houston Family of Podcasts, and we had a tremendous podcast for Houston. In the second segment, we go to Canada, north of the border, and that's where you find Andrew Cayley of Covers. Does a terrific job taking a look at baseball, golf, and college football. For them, we're going to be talking about what we've all been noticing with the Blue Jays recently. We're also going to be diving into some of Tuesday's games as well and just how he winds up gauging guys coming off the injured list in their first start as we've got a few of those circumstances coming up for Tuesday and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And you've got one or two ways to go fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM, naming does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today. And just a little bit of a sidebar with regards to some of the later games. I might not have a full recap on some of these, especially that Rockies versus Dodgers game, because I am on the look at on pretty much Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday if you're out there on the East Coast, 1 to 4 a.m., 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're out here on the West Coast, so Pacific time, that would be 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So that's technically Monday into Tuesday, Tuesday into Wednesday, and then Thursday into Friday. So we've got a lot going on this weekend. It's always a lot of fun. So let's take a look back at everything that we wound up getting in the MLB on the 4th of July. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We had a trio of games go to extra innings, including the early one of the day. The Miami Marlins get the job done 3-2 against the Washington Nationals as Brian De La Cruz was able to get a home run in the 10th inning to be able to bust this one open. He gets his fifth of the campaign as things were 1-1 going in extra innings. Actually, a relatively solid start from Patrick Corbin. A little bit of an escape artist as he wound up giving up one run over the course of seven innings. And the Miami Marlins, they went 2-10 of with Ben in scoring position, but they got the home run when they needed it. Braxton Garrett, a very good start for the Miami Marlins, giving up one run in seven and a third innings. Zach Pop was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jacob Yacobonis, a scoreless inning, and then Dylan Floro gave up an unearned run in the 10th before the National Santorini gives up those two runs on that homer in the 10th inning. Kyle Finnegan, Steve Ciszek, they both wind up giving you a scoreless inning. We wind up having two games laid out there in Detroit and the Tigers won both of them. 4-1 to one the final in game one as the Guardians' lone run came off of a Josh Naylor home run. You want him nailing that one for his 11th home run season. Comes off of young Garrett Hill making his MLB debut, and it was a good one. Gives up that solo run over the course of six innings, and that was it. Andrew Chafin, Michael Former combined for two scoreless innings, and then Gregory Soto was able to give you a scoreless inning as the Tigers go 2 of 8 with men in scoring position against Zach Plesak. Plesak gives up two runs over the course of six innings, so not a bad start. Sam Entages, James Karinchek, and Karinchek, first appearance of the year. They both give up a run, and these two guys combine to get five outs before Andrew Young gives you an out of the bullpen. And then in game number two, the Tigres get it done again, 5-3 to three the final. So both of these games do wind up going under the total as Connor Pilkington wound up getting the start in game two for the Guardians. Gives up three runs, but only one of which was earned over the course of four innings. As he was hurt by his own fielding error. We've got to find a way to be able to get these runs that wind up getting scored off of a pitcher's error. Some sort of a markation or something like that because it's ridiculous. But that said, Trevor Stephen from there gives up one run in one and a third innings. And then Brian Shaw gives up a rarity. A home run to a Detroit Tigers player. Gave up one run in one and two-thirds innings as Eric Haas got his sixth home run season before you would get a scoreless inning out of Año de los Santos. And for the Guardians, just not a lot of contact made in general in this game. They won two of three with men in scoring position, but Alex Fajardo pretty much served as an opener, and he was piggybacked by Tyler Alexander. Alexander, three and a third innings scoreless. Fajardo gives up three runs to three two-thirds innings before Alex Lang and Joey Menes close the door with a scoreless setting. So, a pair of unders and a pair of Detroit Tigers wins in that. The DK Nation pick up the under in Rays versus Red Sox comes through. 4-0 to the final. Pretty much a opener situation with Austin Davis going for the Boston Red Sox. Two scoreless settings and then Cutter Crawford. Five and a third inning scoreless with eight strikeouts. A very good look there as John Driver got the final five outs of the game. And for the Boston Red Sox, Trevor Story, the main form of offense in this one. 13th home run season. That comes off of Josh Fleming as the opener for the Rays. And Jalen Beeks provided two scoreless settings before Fleming gives up four runs, three of which were earned, including that homer before Kelvin Futterer was able to give you a scoreless setting for the Rays. Do it in this one. So the Tampa Bay Rays may wind up falling in that one. And the Rays, they're currently in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of runs scored on a per-game basis. The Seattle Mariners had a little bit of a rough go of it on offense. 
thus far in the summer months, but they were able to get things going against the Padres. 8-2 to two the final as Julio Rodriguez was able to get his 15th home run season off of Sean Mineo. has been very inconsistent for Mineo. Three and a third innings, giving up four runs all but to earn, including that home run. You then have two runs and two innings given up by Taylor Scott. From there, Craig Stammen was able to give you five outs out of the bullpen. Squirrels about Christmas, eight squirrels saying, and Tim Hill gives up an unearned run in his inning of work, hurt by his own fielding error. Once again, we've got to find a way to be able to attach these runs to these guys. But with that said, Trent Kershaw, lone form of offense for the San Diego Padres, gets a two-run home run in the ninth with the team down by a count of 8-0. to zero. So, I was able to get this one over as he winds up being able to get his eighth home run of the season. That comes off of Tommy Malone. He gives up two runs in an inning, but Chris Flexen, six and two-thirds innings, scoreless. Eric Swanson and out of the bullpen, and Ryan Baruki was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. The New York Mets, they go to Cincinnati, and, well, Cincinnati has a north of 70 RA in the bullpen over the last three days, and it was a little bit better in this one, but Hunter Green continues to stink. 7-4 the final is Green. Gives up six runs in five and a third innings, including a pair of bombs going deep for the Metropolitans. Francisco Blundor's 13th home run season, and Brandon Nimmo is sixth as Taiwan Walker. He gives up a home run of his own, giving up three runs over the course of six innings. Brandon Drury takes him deep for a 17th home run season. Then later on, Nick Senzel gets a second of the campaign that comes off of Drew Smith, who allowed that home run in his inning of work. Connor Holderman, along Seth Lugo, both able to give you a scoreless inning. And for the Reds, sign of brightness for the bullpen. They didn't wind up giving up 15 runs. Revier San Martin, a a pair of outside the bullpen to lower ZRA below 10. So good for him. Dorty Maretta along with Setweiler. Both give you a scroll of saying and Luis Sessa gives up a run in his inning of work. The San Francisco Giants, they are getting worked right now. They have lost now five straight games. They wind up falling to the Arizona Diamondbacks by kind of eight to three as Carlos Rodan. Not a great start. Four runs given up over the course of five innings. And then Tyler Rogers gives up two runs in an inning and Mauricio Lovero. Gives up two runs in his two innings as the Arizona Diamondbacks do without even getting a home run. They just did a great job of being able to take the death by a million cut sort of approach. Four of 12 with men in scoring position and Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner against his former team. Not a great start. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings, but the bullpen at his back. Joe Manette, typically two scoreless innings. Mark Melanson, Sean Poppin. They were a Poppin. They both give you a scoreless inning. The Houston Astros wound up getting down by a count of 5-0 to zero against Kansas City Royals, but they battle back to be able to get the W by a count of 7-6. to six. Second straight day in which the Astros wind up winning by a walk-off home run as Jordan Alvarez to end this game. 444-foot shot. It's 24th home run season off of Scott Barlow as Barlow gives up that run in two-thirds of an inning. John Easley, actually a really good start for the Kansas City Royals. Two runs, one of which was earned, given up over the course of six innings, just two walks. It's been the bane of his existence, but his Royals team is in the bottom five in terms of bullpen area in the big leagues, and it showed in this one. White Mills gives up two runs in an inning. Amir Garrett got no outs, and he gave up two runs before Taylor Clark gives up a few runs that he inherited. Good news is MJ Melendez winds up getting a pair of home runs. Takes Jake Odorizzi deep for his seventh home run season, then a little bit later, Phil Maiden gives up his eighth for Maiden. He gives up a run in an inning, but Seth Martinez, three scoreless innings. Ryan Stanek, a scoreless inning. So all in all, bullpen gives up one run in five innings after Jake Odorizzi. Making his first start in quite a while, and he probably shouldn't be getting a start for a while longer. Five runs given up over the course of four innings, including one of those bombs. So the Astros were able to bail him out, and for the Houston Astros, they're only covering right around 40% of their games on the run line. So that has been interesting to take a look at. The Texas Rangers in general have been a fascinating team, and they wind up losing in extras to the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 7-6 as for the Walker Texas Rangers. 
Dane Dunning was unable to get her Dunning. Five runs, three of which were earned, given up in five and a third innings, including home run going deep for the Baltimore Orioles. Cedric Mullins, seventh home run season. From there, the bullpen was not too bad for the scene. Brock Burke and Dennis Santana, they combined to give you seven outs out of the bullpen. Brett Martin and out of the bullpen, and then Joe Barlow. Gives up a run in the ninth inning before Matt Moore comes in in the 10th. Trying to be able to hold it down. Gives up the unearned run. That winds costing the team the game. But for the Texas Rangers, pair of bonds in this one. As Ore Lopez gives one up to Marcus Simeon. 10th home run season. And Mitch Garver gets his ninth of the season. The Garver home run comes off of Dean Kremer, who had really been experiencing a little bit of a career renaissance. Prior to this recent run, the team had been 3-17 and in his first 20 career starts. They had run off three straight, and now it's actually 4-1 and one in his last five as they win this one, despite the fact that he gave up five runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, but from there, Nick Vespi, along with Felix Batista, combined for two scoreless innings. Cianel Perez, far outside of the bullpen, Ore Lopez gives up one of those home runs in his inning work before Brian Baker, a scoreless 10th inning to allow Baltimore to be able to get the W, and also being able to get the W, the Milwaukee Brewers, as they walk it off 5-2 to two the final. If you had the run line in this one, Feel good about that as it was a Victor Garantini walk-off home run. That wind doing the trick. And this is a Chicago Cubs bullpen that all of a sudden has been terrible. Justin Steele, very good start. One run given up over the course of six and two-thirds innings. Got out of the bullpen. Out of Brandon Hughes, Michael Gibbons, they score the and then David Robertson. Blown save as he gives up a run in the ninth inning that allows the thing to go to the tenth. And then Scott Efres gives up three runs, two of which were earned. And extra says the Cubs could not cash in themselves as they went one of ten with men in scoring position. Welcome back, C.A. Suzuki. His fifth home run season and his first home run since like the middle of April as Nelson Velasquez also gets a home run. His first home run of the campaign as for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yet Eric Lauer actually gave a really good start. He gave up one of those solo home runs in his six innings of work. And Josh Hader wound up allowing the other home run in the ninth inning. The home run that he gave up was to Mr. Suzuki in his inning of work, but he wound up having John L. Gustave along with Devin Williams both give you a scoreless inning, and Brad Boxberger was able to turn a scoreless 10th inning for the Brewers to be able to get it done. This is a game that is currently an extra as I do it, but the Minnesota Twins took a lead in the 10th inning against the Chicago White Sox as I do this right now. As Don't don't call me Al Bundy, a relatively solid start for Minnesota on Monday. He gives up a solo home run over the course of five innings, that was to Jose Abreu. First guy for the White Sox to reach a double-digit amount of homers, his 10th of the campaign, and Johnny Cueto on the other side. Relatively good start of his own. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings, including a home run to, guess who? Byron Buxton, 22nd home run season. Guy has been incredible. From there, you wound up having Emilio Pagan, Ty Duffy for the Minnesota Twins, both give you a scoreless setting in Griffin Jacks. He winds up giving up one run in his two innings of work for the White Sox. Kendall Graveman, the fresh off the injured list, Liam Hendricks. He struck out the side on 14 pitches, and Mason Foster, I'll give you a scoreless inning, but Joe Kelly came in in the 10th inning, and I think that we can all sort of summarize how that wound up going, and then you wound up having the Oakland A's jump all aboard Alec Manoa's. Manoa, what he did not wind up landing a great start for Manoa. Five runs, four of which were earned, given up in five and two-thirds innings, including a pair of homers. Steven Vogt, his fourth home run season, and Ramon Laureano, his fifth of the campaign. This for an Oakland A's team that entering into the 4th of July did not have a single guy hitting above a 239 in the lineup. And Cole Irvin, very good start as he allows one run in six plus innings of work. So he was able to turn a nice gem. 
You wound up having the St. Louis and Atlanta game, by the way. Wound up having a super long rain delay. I would not doubt it if this is a game that winds up getting washed out when it's all said and done because as I am doing this podcast, this has been a game that's been in delay for nearly two hours. Six to one. The Atlanta Braves take the lead, and because they only completed four innings, this would be a game that if they are unable to finish it, it is going to be made up at a later date for the Atlanta Braves. You did wind up having... Nobody wind up getting a bomb, but three of six with Ben in scoring position. Kyle Wright had been able to deliver four innings, giving up one under and run. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, Dakota Hudson was getting completely shelled in this one, giving up six runs over the course of his four innings of work. And as I do this podcast, the LA Dodgers currently lead the Colorado Rockies by a pretty healthy margin as for Colorado, Kyle Friedland wanted giving up four runs in the first five innings, including home run to Trace Thompson, the brother of Clay Thompson, in his second home run in the campaign. And if the Dodgers are able to maintain this lead and they're able to get the win, all but five of their what would be 50 wins have come on the run line, something that you certainly do want to be noting if you're looking to reduce the juice on some of these chalky money lines. And if we're taking a look at the game of baseball right now, it has been a lot of favorites being able to come through thus far this season as favorites overall hitting at a 59.6% rate, 708 and 480 as I do this with a couple games for Monday still pending, but home favorites have not necessarily been able to do a great job on the run line. 447 and 314 is how they're performing straight up, but if you take a look at the run line production of these home favorites, we've already seen 142 home favorites be unable to cover the run line. That's been pretty ghastly bad, and overall this season, the under rate suffering right around 51.6%, according to our good friends at covers, and we'll be talking to one of those gentlemen, Andrew Cayley, in a few minutes, but 582 unders to 547 unders, and Take a look at the last three days in Major League Baseball. Things have really been ironed out. 192 unders, 186 overs, so a 50.8% clip to the unders. So bookmakers doing a great job there in this time span. Favorites only in right around 58.5%. We've seen a little bit of a run on underdogs over the last week or so. 233 and 166 overall is how favorites are doing. And from favorites, we have seen 47 of them. Over the last three days, wind up winning by approximately one run to be unable to cover the run line. And as I do this, I was mentioning it with favorites. Not having such a week over the last seven days, 52 and 41 straight up. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up seeing on the 4th of July. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Andrew Cayley of Covers about the Blue Jays, what we're all seeing in terms of the game of baseball, turn it forward to Tuesday's games, and how he winds up evaluating guys coming off the injured list. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. 
Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall. 
and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is a pleasure to have this man on as Andrew Cayley does an absolutely amazing job over there at Covers. He does a nice job taking a look at baseball on a day-in and day-out basis. And top of that, if you're looking for some golf, he's got you covered there, does a great job. In terms of the football scene as well, doing some college football, doing some fantasy football over there at Covers, and to be able to follow Andrew on Kaylee, easy enough. His last name and the company that works for Covers underscore Kaylee's last name is spelled C-A-L-E-Y. And Andrew, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Greg. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to you. And as we are recording this, we don't know how the Blue Jays wind up doing against the Oakland A's on that 4th of July Monday, but, well... Considering how big the, the favorite the Blue Jays were, if they wound up losing, it certainly would be a little bit of a story because it has not been going well for the Oakland A's this season. But just what have you 
noticed with the Blue Jays in general recently because they got off to a nice series start against the Tampa Bay Rays and we're celebrating 4th of July out here in America and it was Canada Day a few days ago out there in Toronto they wanted winning that game and then they proceeded to lose three straight games and when it comes to this Blue Jays team I'm not sure how you wind up viewing it but from a just neutral outsider's view I absolutely love what I'm seeing with the offense but boy outside of Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa they need some pitching. That you hit the nail on the head there, Greg. It was great Canada Day. Actually, their record on Canada Day hasn't been very good recently. So it was very nice to see them win on Canada Day for a change. And we're all feeling good about the way they were playing. Obviously, the pitching, like you said, was an issue. But like, oh, the offense has been doing well. And then they do something very rare and lose a five-game series in which <laughs> they won the first two games. So that was a little tough to swallow there. And But what happened in those three games is... Basically, what is the problem with the Blue Jays to this point in the season is, like you said, outside of Manoa, outside of Kevin Gossman, they haven't been getting reliable starting pitching to this point. Charlie Montoyo, whether it is usage of the bullpen and just the fact that he doesn't have enough quality arms back there, the Jays are starting to do what they did last year, and that is losing games where they've had leads and not being able to stay in games because that bullpen isn't good enough right now. I believe they rank 23rd in the MLB in ERA at the moment. Last year, they went out and made an early trade prior to the trade deadline for Adam Simber and Trevor Richards. Now Richards is hurt and has been ineffective this year, but Simber's still been a solid guy for them to this point. They need to go out there and make a move quickly because we saw last year they missed the postseason by just one game so you want to say oh it's just one game in this series well that one game can come back to bite you in the butt uh, when all is said and done so at 12 to 1 to win the world series right now it's making me a little nervous obviously that offense is as good as any has been in baseball and since the start of june they lead the mlb in batting average and ops and weighted runs created plus and overs is great and overs and they've been a joy to bet and we can we can dive into this in a second here but uh Whenever UC Kikuchi's been on the mound, we've been doing pretty well with the offers in those games as well, excluding his last start a little shockingly. <laughs> yeah, Yusei Kikuchi looked really good in his last start, and Jose Barrios as well. I mean, those are two guys that you've got concerns with, and in the last start, they looked relatively solid, but the rest of that race series, it did not wind up going their way. And if you don't have faith in Yusei Kikuchi, just look on the other side at Adrian Martinez of the Oakland A's making his third career start. And as a result, you've got Yusei Kikuchi as a minus 170 favorite. And honestly, for me, at this point, it's become Blue Jays or pass, and I'm seeing a total of eight. I'm not sure about you, but even with Oakland being a very, very pitcher-friendly ballpark, this seems like way too low of a total. Way, way too low. And uh, I said it to you momentarily. The overs have been very successful in Kikuchi starts. He kind of put on a pretty good performance in that last one. But if you think one good Kikuchi start is going to have me start bending unders in his starts, you've got another thing coming to you. He's still among the league worst in expected ERA, expected slugging, and hard hit percentage. Either he's not using that fastball enough, or then he's using the cutter way too much. And that cutter of his is just getting absolutely crushed right now. And when well, the A's, like we've said, are a bad offense. It's not as bad against lefties as it is righties. And the Blue Jays' bullpen has to usually work quite hard in Kikuchi starts. He usually doesn't go too deep into ball games. That's an over for me all day. I believe prior to the last start, it was 9-3 and three in his previous 12 starts. Not necessarily going the world's greatest for him right now. He's joining me on the podcast. 
we do have Andrew Cayley does an absolutely amazing job over there at Covers. And Andrew, when it comes to what we're going to be seeing on Tuesday as well, there's another guy that's a little bit less than trustworthy. That would be Spencer Howard, someone who, we're going to call it what it is, he has not been able to do the world's greatest job thus far this season. Whenever he's gotten an opportunity, went down to the minor leagues, was able to have some relatively good appearances at the minor league level. But with that said, he is going to be facing off against the Baltimore Orioles team, which has been really good for the bullpen. Austin both is going to get the start for them. And right now we're seeing a relative pick'em game. I'm not sure about you, but even with Spencer Howard having some good starts out there at the minor league level, I can't have any faith in him whatsoever. I would definitely lean towards the Orioles in this one. I actually kind of like the lineup they tried out there on a day-to-day basis. A little scrappier than in years past. And obviously, well, 36 and 44 isn't isn't a great record. When it's a team that has won 47 and 54 and less than 60 games multiple times over the last few seasons, getting oh, getting a 36 wins at this point is obviously a win. Like I said, some good young hitters in that lineup. The Rangers' bullpen, not great as well. I really like the Orioles in this matchup here. Austin Voth, while he doesn't pitch deep into games, he has been pretty effective for the most part. Only a couple of earned runs over his last three starts. He should be able to do well against a Rangers lineup that, while still, we're still like, they've had their moments now in the summer, but we're still obviously not what was advertised heading into the season. And is it just me, or has a Rangers offense been one of the most interesting to take a look at in all of baseball? Is joining me on the podcast we do have Andrew Cayley of covers because it's a Rangers team that they're in the top half of the league in terms of runs per game. They're relatively average in terms of batting average. They've been able to have quite a few home runs, but every time I take a look at the Texas Rangers, it feels like they're scoring like two or three runs in like every one of their games. I don't know how and I don't know why, but it just feels like whenever I watch the Texas Rangers for like a full game, I take a look at it and it's like, man, this is not an impressive lineup. But every time I look at the numbers, it's like, hey, they don't have bad offensive numbers. They don't, but it's definitely, I would call it the old Blue Jays curse. They're a little better these days, but the all or nothing syndrome. It's a 10, 10 runs in a victory or or two one or two runs in a loss. And, and right now they're still losing more than they're winning. So it's not crazy that you're seeing that right now. It's been fascinating to say the least to take a look at them. And this is going to be an interesting matchup as well. We alluded to this a little bit earlier, the Rays and the Blue Jays series. Now the Rays, they're going to be in Boston taking on the Red Sox as We've got a good pitching matchup. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox and Jeffrey Springs on the bump for the Rays. Nine and a half total. I like it under personally with the Red Sox. Red Ron, a minus 125 to a minus 130 favorite. I feel like minus 125-ish would be right around my max to be able to lay with the Boston Red Sox, but I've been highly impressed by Nick Pavetta and Jeffrey Springs, someone who began the season out there in the bullpen for the race. I've been relatively impressed by him as well. Not sure if you've got much of a feel for this game, but I think we're going to see a relatively good pitching matchup. I think you're right about this one. Pavetta, a little shockingly from my from my view, I never thought he was going to be this great. He's kind of followed up last year in a pretty convincing fashion, and he's been pretty good basically since the start of May. I believe he has a 195 ERA over his last 11 starts. The Rays still strike out a pretty good at a pretty good rate when facing right-handers. Springs has also been solid. He's got an ERA under three, but he's got two so-so outings, I would say, in his last two starts against 
so so teams two bad teams in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I would lean towards the Red Sox as I think minus one twenty five is a good number for them here. Like the under as well. Obviously the Rays still have that that great bullpen to back up Springs in this one. And while the Red Sox are pretty good against lefties, this is a tight division matchup of two teams battling for that second spot in the American League East. So it should be nice and intense. And then the other Sox are very intriguing as well as Michael Kopech going to be getting the start for the White Sox. I know that there have been a lot of people that are saying that there's going to be some negative regression in for a guy, Michael Kopech, who's got a sub three year. I has really been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. And then it's been just an adventure taking a look at Chris Archer's starts <laughs> because he has yet to complete more than five innings thus far this season. And right now we're finding the White Sox right around a minus 125. Do I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Kopech, especially with his four walks for nine innings? Yes, but I'm not sure about you, but I just still have a tough time trusting in Chris Archer, knowing that he's only going to be able to give you four to five innings. And in order to get a W with the Minnesota Twins, you need to trust in that bullpen for a minimum four innings. It's an interesting, it's a really intriguing matchup because while the White Sox continue to crush left-handers, that's kind of been the theme for them the past couple of years. They struggle when it comes to facing right-handed pitching this season. If there is a matchup that Chris Archer should be a little better in, this one, the White Sox ranked 28th in the MLB in OPS when facing right-handed pitching. I agree. I think there should be a bit of a regression from, from Kopech a bit. His expected ERA is almost a run worse than his normal ERA. <sighs> I might lean towards the over in this one. There's a couple of White Sox players that are heating up like Jose Abreu and has the ability to take advantage of a guy like Chris Archer, but maybe stay away because I'm just not sure. I'm not sure how I feel Archer should succeed, but like I said, the White Sox have struggled against right-handers. Yeah, it certainly has been a case in which if you take a look at those White Sox righty-lefty splits, they had over 50 points better against lefties and righties. It's absolutely insane. What we've seen on that front is we do have Andrew Cabley of Covers joining me on the podcast. And we've got something that I always find to be an intriguing handicapping spot. That is up on Tuesday as well. Gaging guys in their first start off the injured list. And we've got two guys in the same game. for two, So two for the price of one. Nick Lodolo for the Reds. And yeah, Mad Max Scherzer is going to be going for the Mets. Fresh off of his two games with the good old Rumble Ponies. And going to be relatively lofty as right now I'm seeing the Mets right around a minus 190-ish favorite. I'm not sure how you wind up gauging guys that wind up coming off the injury list their first time out. I typically like to fade them, but I mean, which guy off the injury list do you want to fade here? I'm going to go with the guy in Nick Lodolo who's made significantly fewer career starts than Matt Max Scherzer and Scherzer at the minor league level. I do like the fact that Wanted to make it a few starts that looked relatively solid. He looked relatively solid, and he's Max Scherzer. <laughs> yep. comes out, I, like, he could come out and pitch a gem in this game, and like I wouldn't be that shocked. But like you, my general thing is you like to fade them. I personally, I think I stay away at least for a start or two just to get a gauge for how they're doing. While the Reds are the Reds, basically they've been pretty much close to a 500 team since that 3-19 and start. And since the start of June, I believe they actually rank 7th in batting average and 18th in OPS. So the offense has, has picked up quite a bit. Maybe lean towards the over in this one with two pitchers trying to knock off some ruts. The Mets obviously have a capable offense as well, so maybe that's where I lean in this one. The one reason why I'm taking a little bit more of a look at a Mets run line here is that You've got a Cincinnati Reds team trotting out there, a guy in Lodolo. First start off the injured list, so you can't expect a lot of length. Over the last three days, the Cincinnati Reds bullpen, 
774 ERA. <laughs> oh boy, that is not so terrific. And a man that is opposite of that. I mean, take the 774 ERA of the Red Sox. It's more like a 074 for this man with his dominance. It is you, Andrew. You do absolutely amazing work over there at Covers. You do a nice job taking a look at the game of baseball. But on top of that, I know you're getting all limbered up for the football season. And I know that you do a great job being able to take a look at golf as well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. You can follow me on Twitter at Covers underscore Kaylee. That's C-A-L-E-Y, where you can find my Blue Jays bat flipping picks of the day which you should be fading all of the time right now because I've been <laughs> ice cold with them. But we've also got some college football conference previews to look forward to in the coming weeks. We're just a, a handful of weeks away from the start of the college football season. So I'm getting really excited for that as well. Absolutely. And Andrew does an absolutely amazing job over there at Covers, taking a look at a wide variety of things. And to your point on the bat flip and pick of the days, as Katy Perry once said, Sometimes you're hot and you're cold, you're in and you're out, you're up and you're down. You might be cold now, but you'll be hot once again soon. I certainly do feel it because Andrew, one of the hardest workers out there in the industry, does an absolutely great job whenever he joins this podcast as well. So big thanks, Andrew, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VC Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford 
Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. 
Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is kid-safe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Decent Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Andrew Cayley of Covers Board. He does an absolutely amazing job over there at Covers.com. Take a look at baseball, take a look at college football, golf, list goes on and on, and it's a man that is out there north of the border doing a great job of taking a look at the Toronto Blue Jays as well. Always appreciate his insights and time on this podcast, and he delivered the goods once again today. Big thanks to him. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore one Going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. So let's get started with this first game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're going to be playing us to the New York Mets. As we have Memex Scherzer making his return to the Metropolitans, and Nick Lodolo is going to be on the bump. For the Red Legs, if you're taking a look at the New York Metropolitans, you're going to be finding them as a favorite of anywhere between minus 185 and minus 195. I'll just give you the run line right now. You're finding that right around a minus 120 on the Mets. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Reds between plus 160 and plus 175 is your price. Nine is your total, and the juice is all over the place. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 115. And I do mind saying my total at a 9.3. Well, this has to do with the fact that I think that the Mets are going to get a lot of runs on the Cincinnati Reds, a Reds team that... They have a bullpen ERA overall for the season that's hovering right around a 575. And if you take a look at the last three days, the bullpen is giving up 2.2 home runs per nine innings, and they have a 771 ERA. That's far from terrific. And now you're requesting Nick Lodolo, someone who wanted to make three starts earlier this season, to make his first start in a little bit over two months. It's coming off of the 68 injured list with a back issue and never pitched more than five and two thirds innings before in his career to be able to turn a gem. I am not necessarily feeling that. Nick Lodolo, when he did wind up getting innings a little bit earlier in the season, the command wasn't bad. And if you take a look at his minor league numbers, 
He's a relatively solid pitcher. Did a good job of being able to rehab. And for Max Scherzer, looked good with the good old Rumble Ponies. So uh, you're able to have some confidence there with Max Scherzer. Overall, whenever he's been able to tow the rubber this season, a 2.54 ERA. Home and road splits have been relatively equal. He's given up a couple home runs this season. Five home runs given up in 49 and two-thirds innings. But, I mean, the guy has been Max Scherzer. He's able to give you right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. And he's backed up by a bullpen that is significantly better. You've had your issues with guys like Julie Rodriguez, Jason Shreve, and company. But been able to get some good innings out of someone like a Drew Smith when he's been out there. Right around a 2.50 ERA. Edwin Diaz has been a good closer for this bunch. And... Reds have been able to do a nice job of being able to put up offense when they've been at home as well. This has been a top five offense in the big leagues at home. And with the Reds, you've got this team hitting right around a 260 as a collective in Cincinnati. Randy Drury has been able to give you 17 home runs. He's hitting a 270. Tommy Pham is hitting right around a 255 along with Alberto Mora Jr. Nick Zell ever since coming off of the injured list. He has been able to really find it with this team. So, Got some good pieces for this Red Seam. Joey Votto says coming off the injured list right around at 335 on base. And then for the New York Metropolitans, you've got Pete Alonso, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, all in between about a 272 to a 285. Pete Alonso last year led the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road. He's already got 22 thus far this season. Mark has seen a little bit of a dip in production, but still is giving you a 360 on base. He's had a little bit of a rough year for Eduardo Escobar, but he's been able to find it a little bit more recently. In terms of power, Francisco Lindor, 57 RBI. So you're really able to trust in these guys. And I feel like the Mets should be a very sizable favorite. There's just no trusting in Nick Lodolo here, and I think that Max Scherzer might look a little bit rusty in his first start, but I am all for fading the Cincinnati Reds here. I set the Mets run line right around a minus 145 and their money line right around a minus 230. So all aboard the Mets, semi-total at 9.3, so looking at the 9 over as well. 903-904 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies going to be playing with the Washington Nationals. Paulo Espino is going to be going for the Nets, and Christopher Sanchez is going to be on the bump. For the Phils, the Phillies are finding themselves saying between minus 149 and minus 155 favorites. Between plus 135 and plus 143 is your price on the Nationals, and your total is 9.5. Over and under, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. When it comes to this total, I wound up saying it at a 9.9. So I'm going to be taking a look at this one over and I wound up saying the Phillies right around a minus 175 favorite. With Christopher Sanchez, he has spent much of his season at the minor league level, wound up getting a little bit of a cup of coffee at the big league level a little bit earlier this season, and when he was up at the big league level, Sanchez was mostly used as a little bit of a more long reliever, someone that would give you like two innings out of the bullpen. He did wind up making a start a little bit earlier this season, and in that start, he wound up going south of four innings, so you've got to expect a lot more of the same. This is pretty much an opener plus in Christopher Sanchez, and not a great one, not a terrible one. It'll give you a little bit of swing and miss. You'll probably wind up walking a guy or two in three innings, but you can expect him to be able to hold down the fort and then turn it over to a rest of a Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. That's been right around league average as far this season. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been very good. Sub-2 ERA, Corey Knable. He's been used a little bit earlier in games, and that seems to be working for them now. Guys like Jersich Familia have been very untrustworthy. Connor Brogdon has been able to give you some good innings along with right hand, and with this Philadelphia Phillies team, They've really been able to get their offense going as well as you've got Kyle Schwarber who's been able to launch now 23 home runs. Bryce Harper being on the fold, no doubt that winds hurting them, but you still have a lot of good table setters that are able to get on base for the team as you've got Yadio Munoz throwing their Alec Bohm, Reese Hoskins, D.D. Gregorius, Nick Cassianos, all in between about a 248 to a 265. You've been able to have Hoskins really be able to launch a power 17 home runs in nearly a 300 over the last three days. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Washington Nationals and got guys are able to get on base for this team. 
Problem is, they've got no power whatsoever, and currently they're dealing with an injury to Juan Soto. Right now, they're top bet in terms of home runs, so it's a big, giant issue. Wanted to make it a little bit of a pinch-hitting appearance yesterday, but got to question his health moving forward. He's got a 384 on base, but still, just for him, a 226 batting average. Yadiel Hernandez has been able to get on base hitting right around a 265 for this bunch, and then got a lot of guys like a better Ruiz, Mikel Franco, you're able to throw in there, Cesar Hernandez, even the backup catcher in Trace Barrera. These guys are in between about a 250 to a 260s. Josh Bell has a 400 on base. He's been able to give you a double-digit amount of formers, but you don't have a lot past that, and for this Washington Nationals bullpen, it has been a hot mess. Steve Ciszek, north of a Fort ERA, Carlo Edwards Jr., starting to fail his team as well. The team wound up having to go to extra innings against the Miami Marlins yesterday. That was a little bit of an issue for them, and the Phillies, they wound up getting a day off on 4th of July yesterday, which means that, well, they were able to rest up their bullpen. Tanner Rainey was throwing pitches in the 10th inning, so that's not necessarily so great either. Kyle Finnegan is right around a 4-ish ERA, so this is a situation where I did wind up saying the Phillies at a minus 176 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, as I do expect this to be a higher scoring game, the Phillies are anywhere between a plus 125 to a plus 130. I was honestly willing to take this at even money or better, so I'm going to be taking a look at the Phillies to be able to win this game by multiple runs. Paulo Espino has actually been a halfway decent starter for the Washington Nationals as he's currently rocking a 280 ERA, but when he wound up getting consistent starts last season, he wound up giving up right around 1.6 home runs per nine innings as a 221 road ERA compared to a 328 home ERA. I do expect regression here, though, because he's only gotten right around 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings. The walks per nine is solid, but he gives up a lot of contact in general. I think that that's going to nip him in the butt, especially in a ballpark like Philadelphia. So, looking at the over and looking at the Phillies on the run line, 9-5, to 9-6 on the betting board. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals on the road facing off against the Atlanta Braves as Ian Anderson is going to be on for the Bravos and Andre Pallanti is going to be on the bump for the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they are finding themselves as pretty big underdogs here, anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Atlanta, you're going to be finding them anywhere between about a minus 138 to a minus 150 favorite. 9.5 is your total. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. And the over, you're going to be finding that anywhere between even a minus 110 and I was willing to take the Cardinals at a plus 120 or greater, so I am in on this. Ian Anderson just has not been terrific for this Atlanta Braves team thus far this season, and he's coming off a relatively awful start against the Philadelphia Phillies as well. So out of all the Braves starters at this point, I would say I have the least confidence in Ian Andre Pallanti. I do think that there is going to be a little bit of regression for him, but thus far he's been able to do a great job of being able to draw some soft contact, giving up four home runs at 55 and two-thirds innings. The strikeouts per nine rate, that's hovering right in the pocket above five and a half, but Andre Pallanti has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his appearances this season. 23 total appearances, five starts, so he's done a nice job holding down the fort now. Walks are a little bit of an issue. He gives up right around four walks per nine innings, but he's sort of like Dakota Hudson in that he does a great job of being able to induce some ground balls, and then Ian Anderson, he's a little bit of a similar pitcher as well, though Ian Anderson giving up a little bit over four walks per nine innings, his strikeouts per nine rate, a little bit higher than that of Pallanti. It's hovering more in the neighborhood about seven and a half, but boy, for Ian Anderson, he has given up at least four runs in three out of his last four starts, and as a matter of fact, 15 total runs in those last four starts. It's not necessarily been the deep ball. He's given up just two home runs in his last five starts, so it's not like he's being taken deep. He's just given up a lot of contact in general. 267 opponent's batting average, and at home, he's got a 620 ADRA, which and it's all the worst, and you do have a Braves and a Cardinals lineup that they both have been able to do a good job of being able to put back to ball these St. Louis Cardinals in a little bit of a funk the last few nights, but you know that these guys are going to be able to sort it out. Paul Goldschmidt still hitting a 340. He's been able to do a nice job being able to launch 19 home runs as far this season. Nolan Arenado, 17 bombs going into Monday. He's hitting right around 292, and then 
Brandon Donovan has been able to bump it to 275, along with Juan Yepes. Past that, you've got guys like Tommy Edmond, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, alling in that 250 to 265 fold with some good stolen bases from Edmond, along with Harrison Bader. And for the Atlanta Braves, got a lot of guys getting on base for the team as well as got Austin Riley, Travis Sayer, no, both hitting in that neighborhood about a 265 with Riley. He's been able to give you 20 plus home runs. Travis Sayer, no, a little bit north of 10. Matt Olson at 345 on base, and he's sponsored double digit amount of bombs. He's hitting above a threat. Michael Harris, the second, he's been able to do a nice job. Will be able to reach base as well. But both of these bullpens have been relatively rock solid as well for the Atlanta Braves. AJ Minter has been able to give you some very nice innings. Now, when it comes to Will Smith, Darren O'Day, pair of veterans that I don't necessarily have a ton of faith in, but that's that. You have been able to have Colin McHugh come out and typically be able to do a solid job. It was a little bit of a tough weekend for him, but Dylan Lee, a 1 1 3 ERA. So, got a lot of guys who have been able to hold down the fourth for this bunch. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, they've been able to a little bit of an injury to Genesis Cabrera, but Ryan Helsley, sub 2 ERA. Giovanni Gallegos has been trustworthy towards the back half of games. And then you've got some long guys like Zach Thompson, Becky Naughton, if you need them as well. So, seeing the total of 9.5, I do think that's a little bit lofty. I want to say my total more around an 8.7 8 to an 8.8. So, going to be looking at an earner in the spot. I do think that Ian Anderson going to be able to sort out some of the kinks he did. Have a very good season last year, so I do think that we're going to see positive progression with him and with the St. Louis Cardinals, anything north of a plus 120 was willing to take a shot here. So looking at the cards, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 907-908 on the bang board. The Chicago Cubs, they throw the facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Jason Alexander is going to be going for the crew, and Kyle Hendricks, the professor, is on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs are anywhere between a plus 120 to a plus 126 underdog with the Brew crew. It's anywhere between minus 133 and minus 140 with 8.5 to 9 being your total on the 8.5 overs minus 25. The under is plus 105 on the 9. Under is anywhere between minus 110 to minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. I did wind up making this total an 8.8. I would rather have a 9 under rather than an 8.5 over personally because I do think that the Cubs are going to have a little bit of a tough time getting to Mr. Jason Alexander. He's done a good job of holding down the fort and just really knowing his role in general. When it comes to Jason Alexander, the walks are a little bit concerning. Right around 4.2 walks per nine innings and has a little bit of a higher home ERA rather than a road ERA. 360 road ERA, 422 ERA at home, but has only given up two home runs thus far this season with opponents saying a 328 off of him. Now, I do think that he's going to be doing for a little bit of negative regression, and you do take a look at the professor, Kyle Hendricks. Throughout his career, he's got an ERA that is just under a point higher on the road rather than at home, and this season, but a little bit of reversal. 424 road ERA, 491 ERA at home. A big reason why is that he's been pitching a lot when the winds have been blowing out in regular field, and that has caused him to allow quite a few bombs, but with Kyle Hendricks, you know what you're going to be able to get out of him from a command standpoint, right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. The big thing is the Milwaukee Brewers just are not a team that's been able to do a great job of being able to put back to ball. Covered the run line yesterday thanks to a walk-off homer, but you take a look at this entire Milwaukee Brewers team, and you had one guy getting at bat yesterday, hitting above a 253 right now, and that would be Mark Barrasso. So That's not necessarily too terrific. Now, what I will say about the Brewers with that regard as well is, for one, that was excluding Pedro Severino, I think has had 10 at-bats as far this season. So, very small sample size there, but you do have a lot of guys sort of hitting in that neighborhood of, we're going to call it a 235 to about a 245. Colton Wong, Victor Carantini, Luis Arias, Rowdy Tellez, all fall in that fold, and then Andrew McCutcheon, Christian Yelich, they're in more around a 250 with what you've been able to get out of Tellez. He's been able to get the team 16 home runs along with Willie Adamas, but certainly has been touch and go there, especially with Hunter Renfro being injured. And for the Chicago Cubs, they've been able to do a nice job, but be able to put bat to ball. Because for Morrell, 
Throw in there, Ian App, Wilson Contreras are in between about a 272 to a 285. C.A. Suzuki wound up returning to the fold on Monday. And for Contreras, double-digit amount of formers out of him. And Patrick Wisdom, how about this guy? Being able to do a nice job, being able to generate 17 home runs. Problem with him is that he is on pace to strike out way more than 200 times this season. And it's a Cubs bullpen that has been a poop scene recently. They have north of a 550 ERA over the last three days. They're currently in the bottom four of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. And to play extra innings yesterday, which means that David Robertson, he's not going to be available for this game. Scott Efforts, Michael Gibbons, these guys both have right around a three ERA overall this season, but it has really been waning recently. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, what you do have with this team is a team that has Devin Williams and Josh Hader a little bit burnt out, but you still have Colby Milner, who's able to give you some relatively good innings. Brent Suter, over the last three days, he has lowered his ERA to right around a three in that time span. So I do think that you've got a pair of guys that very much pitch a contact. Guys are going to be able to keep the ball in the yard with the way that both of these offenses have been operating. So I am going to be taking a look at the nine under in this spot. And when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, I feel like they should be the favorite. I didn't feel like they should be necessarily the world's most lofty favorite. Favorite, but I'm in on them as long as I can get pretty much a 140 or greater. Officially set them at a minus 144. So looking crew and looking under. 909910 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants at the road face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's good old to be determined for the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're figuring a bullpen game, and Alex Wood is going to be on the bump for the Giants. Figuring that it is going to be some sort of a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. I want to make in the Giants minus 151 in this spot, plus 113, laying around an F, and a 10.2 total, which means that a 10 or less, I'm looking at an over a 10 and a half higher to the under. Now, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's been fascinating to take a look at their home and road splits with regards to power because for the Diamondbacks, they're averaging right around 0.9 home runs per game at home. On the road, a little bit more than a home run and a half per contest. So, that has been fascinating for a Arizona Diamondbacks team. As a collective, they're hitting below a 220. It's been really deplorable with that regard. You wound up having two guys in the starting lineup yesterday that we're hitting above a 239. That'd be Ketel Marte along Josh Rojas. So that is a big time issue. But you do have Christian Walker. He's been able to slug out over 20 home runs for this team. Jordan Luplo is getting a home run every about 12 to 13 at bat. So you got guys that are doing a solid job of being able to get the homers. Not really anyone that's able to get on base for the San Francisco Giants. A lot of balance with this team. Not necessarily great balance, but you've got Kirk Caselli coupled with Mikey Stromsky, Austin Slater, Wilmer Flores. Only between about a 230 to a 245. The only guy on this team that has been able to give you a double-digit amount of performance this season is Jack Peterson. He's been able to hit a 275, and the Longoria has come back into the fold, and he's been a relative constant for this team in the neighborhood of about a 250, and both of these bullpens, not necessarily too trustworthy with the San Francisco Giants. You've been able to have Dominic Leon be able to give you some good innings for this bunch, and you've also had few guys that wound up having a rough start to the season like Emilio Duvall, Jarlin Garcia be able to pick it up and for the years and the Diamondbacks Joe at Tipley wanted getting used up yesterday he's by far their best reliever along Sean Pop and both of these guys have sub 3-1 ERAs and for Manette Tipley right around a 1-1-6 ERA but you do have Kyle Nelson who's able to give you some good innings but pass that J.B. Wendell can has been a little bit rough. You've got to figure that Luke Weaver is probably going to see quite a few innings. Wanda Blast pitching on Saturday began the season as a starter, but probably not going to be going necessarily more than three innings. And if it is Luke Weaver, winds up seeing some bulk innings. 11.32 ERA. Caleb Smith probably in line for some innings. He's got right around a five-ish ERA, a former starter with the Miami Marlins. That was always a good swing and miss guy, but a guy that would give up the walks. And thus far this season, he's given up right around six walks per nine innings. And then you take a look at Alex Wood. 
it. Well, the wood has been getting laid to him thus far this season. Interestingly enough, ever since he got picked up by the San Francisco Giants, he's been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home. 503 ERA overall this year. He's been a little bit worse on the road. 559 road ERA compared to a 446 home ERA, but not necessarily home runs being the issue for him. Right around one home run per nine innings surrendered. Right around two and a half walks per nine. He gets nearly nine strikeouts per nine innings. Just as about unlucky on balls in play. Opponents saying a 280 off of him, so I do think that there's going to be positive progression there. Set the Giants minus 151 on the money line. 10 or less looking over 10 and a half higher to the under. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies at the road face off against the LA Dodgers. Mitch White is going to be going for the Dodgers and Odomar Marquez is going to be on the bump for the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies are a big underdog. Anywhere between plus 190 and plus 210. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at LA, minus 220 and minus 240 is your price on them. 8.5 is your total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I was willing to lay up to a minus 217 on the money line of the Dodgers. And if you take a look at this run line, I was willing to go up to a minus 125, finding anywhere between a minus 110 to a minus 115. Irma Marquez has just been an unbackable pitcher thus far this season. Has given up three runs or more in all but three of his starts thus far this season. I mean, it has been really putrid. And for the LA Dodgers, now you've got Mookie Betts back in the fold. A guy that has been able to give the team 17 home runs, getting home run every, I would say, about 13 or so at bats, hitting at 275. Trey Turner, Justin Freeman, both of these guys are hitting above a 300 as well. Will Smith has been able to get shaky with it. He's getting home run every, I would say, about 17 or so at bats. He's hitting at 260. You've had Kevin Lux be able to hit right around a 280 for this bunch now. Got struggling bats as well. Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Trace Thompson, they're hitting a 220 or lower. And Justin Turner has been able to find it a little bit more recently, but still hitting a 230. But for the Colorado Rockies, big time home road split says this is the Rockies team that on the road they hit about 40 points worse than they do at home. But the big thing is the home runs. They get right around 1.3 home runs per game at home. A half a home run per game on the road, like CJ Chrome, for instance. 19 home runs thus far this season. 15 of them have come at Coors Field. Brendan Rodgers, he's got eight home runs. All eight of them have wound up coming at home. So, you got some big discrepancies there. Chris Bryant still is looking for his first home run as a Colorado Rocky after he wound up being banged up for much of the season. And for the Colorado Rockies, you've also got a lot of guys like Lucas Gilbreth, for instance, that just pitches so much better at home rather than on the road. When it comes to Gilbreth, he's something that at home has right around a sub-4 ERA, and then he winds up hitting the road, and he's got an ERA right around 8. Robert Stevenson on the road, coming out of the bullpen, right around a 580-ish ERA. So you've got a lot of issues when it comes to the Colorado Rockies bullpen, coupled with the fact that Irmai Marquez, he has not necessarily been too terrific as a starter, though I will say this for Irmai Marquez. He's got a 421 ERA on the road compared to a 717 ERA at home with, out of his 15 home runs, surrender 13 of them coming at home. So that is a little bit of redeeming quality, and he's always been a relatively okay pitcher when it comes to being able to pitch in L.A., but I do think that you're also going to be able to have Mitch White going up against this very, very bad Colorado Rockies lineup being able to lend a relatively solid start. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible. Giving up right around one home run per nine innings. He gives you right around three walks per nine as well. The strikeout numbers are not supreme. They're not necessarily terrible. And at home thus far this season, he's actually been significantly worse than on the road. 502 home ERA compared to a 315 ERA on the road. You go back to 2021 and it was the complete opposite. 214 ERA at home, 491 ERA on the road. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of reversal. I do think that Mitch White is going to be able to come out, going to be able to do a 
relatively solid job, and I think that Irma Marquez is going to be doing what he's been doing all year long, doing his best impression of a pinata, and I think that's going to go quite well, as I think that the Dodgers can hit him pretty hard here. I wound up saying my total at a 9.1. I'm going to be looking at the over, and the Dodgers have won all but five of their games by multiple runs. I'm going to trust the run line here, laying that number, 913-914 on the betting board. It is a DK Nation pick as the Walker Texas Rangers hit the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Wolf is going to be going for the Orioles, and Spencer Howard is going to be getting the start slash the open for the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are fighting themselves in between a minus 103 to a minus 110 favorite. One of the Baltimore Orioles, you're finding them anywhere between even money and minus 120. So pretty much a pick and price. Nine and a half is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. I wound up saying the Baltimore Orioles is north of minus 140 favorite. The DK Nation pick is going to be on the Baltimore Orioles because Spencer Howard is absolutely terrible. I wish I could put it any other way, but Spencer Howard, in terms of my starting pitcher rankings, Coming into the year was absolutely dead flipping last, and this guy just cannot pitch to save his life. I have no idea how he was able to do enough at the minor league level because he's actually coming off of a minor league start in which he wound up going seven scoreless settings. Looked very good there, but uh, he's been able to pretty much weasel his way into another start. It's incredible. A 12-15 ERA when he's been up at the big league level thus far this season. In six and two-thirds innings, he's given up six home runs. That's a home runs per nine rate of right around eight. I do expect that to come down a little bit, but just every time Spencer Howard winds up getting a start, it just winds up not necessarily going well. You're even able to go back to the 2021 season and what we all wound up noticing there, and this was a guy that you just could not wind up trusting in whatsoever. Even during the 2000 21 campaign. Wound up posting up a 743 ERA. Walks have been the bane of his existence. He's given up over five walks per nine innings throughout his career. Swing and miss stuff is actually halfway decent with him, but after it feels like one or two good innings, this guy just completely crumbles. And then for Austin Voth, can't expect him to really go more than three innings. He's made three starts for the Baltimore Orioles thus far. He has given up a grand total of two earned runs over the course of eight and two-thirds innings. Was a victim of a few unearned runs as I started against the Seattle Mariners, but he's been able to come in, do a good job, but be able to hold down the 40. He's backed up by a Baltimore Orioles bullpen that ranks in the top eight of the big leagues in terms of ERA. You've got CNL Perez, Felix Batista, Ore Lopez, and also Dylan Tate, who have all been able to give you a sub-225 ERA. You did wind up using up a few of those guys yesterday, but you got to figure that you're going to have a couple bullets left in the chamber, especially with the way that the Texas Rangers are going to need to use their bullpen in this game. And they wound up using up their best reliever, Brock Burke, for 31 pitches yesterday. He's got a buck 12 ERA, Dennis Santana, buck 44 ERA of his own. He wound up getting used up yesterday, and for the Texas Rangers, we were talking about with Andrew Cayley, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of this offense. So Marcus Simeon has been able to give you 10 home runs over the last, I would say, 30 or so games, so he's been able to heat up. He's now hitting about a 240 for the team. While Kyle Seager has been able to give you 15 home runs, he's hitting in that pocket about a 230. You've got quite a few guys hitting in that neighborhood about a 245 to about a 255-ish. Charlie Culverson, Adelis Garcia, Leody Tavares, and for Garcia, he's been able to give the team eight home runs over the last three days, and take a look at this Baltimore Orioles bunch, and you've got a lot of guys there, but get on base for you. Ryan Moncastle, along with Trey Boomer, Mancini, Austin the Sayes kid, Cedric Mullins, all in between about a 260 to 280, and then with Santander, Anthony Santander, he's been able to do a nice job being able to launch 15 home runs thus far this season. Renato Doris been able to do a good job of being able to give you extra base hits recently as well, as he's had a little bit of a tough season, as he, Jonathan Arus, you're able to throw in there, Ode Mateo. These guys have good qualities about them, but they're hitting at 220 or lower for Mateo. 
Mateo. He's been able to give the team right around 20 stolen bases thus far this season, but I do think that the Baltimore Orioles are going to be able to get a, a better start out of both. I think that Spencer Howard, what he wound up doing at the minor league level, he is not going to be able to translate it to the big league level. He just, every single time he's gotten an opportunity at the big leagues, it's not went well from him. I am going to be banking on this being the case once again. I wound up saying the Orioles at a minus 146 on the money line, so the DK Nation pick is going to be on Baltimore, and they wind up saying my total at a 9.7 as well, so going to be taking a look at this 9.5 over to go along with it. 915-916 on the betting board, the Cleveland Guardians they hit the road, they're facing off against the Detroit Tigers as Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigers, and Cal Quantrill is on the bump for the Guardians, and the Guardians are finding themselves a favorite of anywhere team minus 140 and minus 148, and for Detroit, you're going to be getting that anywhere team plus 125, seeing as high as a plus 140, and a half is your total. The over is minus 120, and the under is even, and I need at least a plus 140 to be able to take a shot on the Tigers, but I'm willing to take that plus 140 with Drew Hutchinson. Not necessarily been a rosy start to the season for him, but he's back to a bullpen that is going to have his back. You've got a Detroit Tigers team that has a top five bullpen in terms of VRA, and a couple former starters out there in that bullpen as well, like a Willie Peralta and Michael Fulmer, a pair of guys that have a sub-3 ERA thus far this season. Will Vest has been able to give you some good innings as well. He's got now about a 341 ERA, wound up having some circles about a week and a half ago, but by and large, he's been able to do a nice job. Alex Lang posting up right around a 215 ERA. Gregory Soto has been a lights-out closer, and then for Cal Quantrill has been a case in which he's just been pitching the contact a lot this season. His strikeouts per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about five and a half. He only gives up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate in the neighborhood about 2.7. And he's given up three runs or fewer in 27 out of his last 30 appearances, but he's given up approximately three runs in quite a few of those as well as in the month of June. Posted up right around a 4.06 ERA. He was able to really do a good job of being able to limit the walks, but he then wound up giving up more home runs and walks in that month in 31 innings, six walks, seven home runs surrendered. So that's it's not necessarily too terrific, and with the Detroit Tigers, you know it's not necessarily too terrific this offense. How about if we wind up going down the list of guys that are currently hitting a 220 or lower for the team? Robbie Grossman, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Javi Baez, Eric Koss, Cody Clements. I mean, the list goes on and on. Spencer Torkelson, so it's not necessarily a bit too terrific. For this bunch, you don't have a single guy that's been able to give you more than seven home runs thus far this season. And for the Cleveland Guardians, you've really only got one player that's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. That'd be Jose Ramirez. He's been able to do an amazing job in a 290, but pass him. You do have guys that are able to get on base for the team. Andres Jimenez is hitting a 300. Steven Kwan, Amit Rosario. These are a pair of guys in between about a 275 to a 285. Owen Miller has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line as well. But with the Guardians, you do have your question marks with regards to this bullpen. It's been able to do a relatively okay job this far this season. Emmanuel Classe, lights out closer, Eli Morgan, same advantages, pair of failed starters have come into the bullpen. They've been solid. Brian Shaw's not necessarily a bit too terrific, and they just activated James Karinczak as well, so that'll be able to give this team a little bit of an upgrade moving forward, but even though I do think that Drew Hutchinson probably going to come up, probably not necessarily going to be able to lend a good start. I have a little bit more faith here in this Tigers bullpen as Hutchinson on for record, but the numbers haven't necessarily been terrible. He's given up two home runs in 24 and a third innings. The big thing for him is the walks. He's given up right around six walks per nine innings. You take a look at him throughout his career, and he's got a career walks per nine rate that hovers in the neighborhood of four. I do think that he's going to be able to lock in a little bit more, be able to lend a tad bit more length to be able to help out a Detroit Tigers full bullpen full of guys that are going to be able to help him out moving forward as long as they may be able to get a plus 140 or greater with the Tigers willing to take a shot here. Semi-total at 7.8. I do think that the Tigers are going to have a tough time being able to bat the ball, but I do think that the Tigers are going to be locked down as well with their bullpen. So looking under and looking at the Tigers. 917-918 on the wing board. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us to the Tampa Bay Rays. Jeffrey Springs is going to be going for the Rays and 
Nick Pavetta is on the bump for Boston. Boston is finding themselves a minus 123 to minus 130 favorite and the Rays are between a plus 110 to a plus 116 underdog. 9 to 9.5 is your total. On the 9 over is minus 120. The under is even and on the 9.5. The under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. And with the Boston Red Sox, we'll delay up to a minus 128 with them. We were talking about this game with our good friend Andrew Cayley. And it's really been a career renaissance for Nick Pavetta, who last season he was relatively sought on the road, but at home he just wound up giving up bomb after bomb. And he's been able to rein that in so much as he and Pavetta, home and road, has been solid, giving up about one home run per nine innings with a 279 home ERA thus far this season, giving up four home runs of 42 innings at Fenway, opponents starting at 204 off of them at home, and the walks, not necessarily too much of an issue right now, about 3.1 walks per nine innings, and for Jeffrey Springs, he's done a great job with command himself, right around 1.8 to 1.9 walks per nine innings, giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings, and he did wind up having to miss a few days due to a little bit of a family ordeal, which is why he did not wind up starting in Toronto, and is instead starting in this one. Home and road splits, he's got a buck 76 home area to a 276 road area, but really in both locations has been locked down. Opponents are overall about a 214 off of them, so you're able to trust in him. And for the Tampa Bay race, this is a relatively solid bullpen, but they wound up having to use pretty much a pseudo bullpen game yesterday. They wound up having a relatively good bulk game from Josh Fleming, so that's going to be able to help them out. Jason Adam has been able to supply the team with a sub-2 ERA. Colin Pooch has been amazing out of the bullpen. Brooks Raley, how about him being able to provide right around a 225 area? Matt Weisler has been solid. They're still dealing with the injury to J.P. Fireisen, but they've done a good job of being able to mix and match, and for the Boston Red Sox, Sander Oak has been able to do a nice job out there in the bullpen along with Eda Kauzis-Satomora, and under the radar, you've been able to get some really good innings out of Jake Diekman as well. He's out posting up a sub-3 ERA, and you take a look at what he's done over the last 30 days, 10 total appearances, sub-2 ERA, so he's done a nice job being able to come in and be able to lock it down with the Boston Red Sox as well. You've got a trio at the top that has been absolutely amazing, and Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, along J.D. Martinez, they've been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Xander Bogarts, but you got Jaron Duran to be able to take that spot. He's hitting a 320, so you still have a trio of guys. They're hitting above a 305 for the team. Rob Rev Snyder has been solid in his pinch hit opportunities as he and Christian Vasquez both hitting in that neighborhood about a 295. Alex Verdugo over the last three days has been able to 300 as well, and with Rafael Devers, 17 plus home runs as far as the season. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, Isaac Paredes over the last three weeks has been able to give the team eight home runs. He has been incredible as he has been able to hit about a 250. He's in that full with Randy Rosarena along with Wanda Franco, with the, who are both hitting between about a 255 through 260. Yandy Diaz, GM, and Joey, both of these guys have between a 385 and a 400 on base, but got the guys at the bottom of the fold like Vidal Brujan, Josh Lowe, Brett Phillips, Rene Pinto that are currently in below the middle line of 200. So I do think that's going to be a little bit of bugaboo. I do think that the Rays have a little bit of better bullpen here than the Boston Red Sox, but I love the way that Pavetta is pitching in. I do think that the Red Sox are going to be able get enough offense to be able to get it done in this one. We'll lay up to a minus 128 with the Red Sox. Semi total at 80.7. I think we're in for a good pitching matchup, so looking under and looking Sox. 919-920 on the betting board. You've got the Royals in the road faceoff against the Houston Astros. Luis Garcia is going to be going for the Strohs and Zach Greinke on the bump for Kansas City. It is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even money and minus 115 with Houston. It's anywhere between minus 220 and minus 230. Plus price when it comes to Kansas City. Anywhere between plus 190 and plus 205, and when it comes to Houston, I did wind up saying them as a favorite of minus 228. If you take a look at the run line, I'm going to lay up to a minus 125 with it. You're finding it anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 115. Now, the Astros were unable to cover the run line yesterday, and that's because Jake Odorizzi just wound up 
playing a really, really bad turn towards the beginning part of that game, but I think that Luis Garcia is going to be able to do a significantly better job in this spot for the Astros. An Astros team that I will say, in terms of the run line, because I was talking about how good the LA Dodgers have been on the run line, they're only covering the run line at about 40% of their game. So that is a little bit of a concern that you have because the Astros, they've been playing some relatively low-scoring games with having the best bullpen in terms of ERA out there in the big leagues, which has meant that they've been playing a bunch of unders. This is a Houston Astros team that's played right around 64 to 65% of their games to the under. I do think that Luis Garcia going to be relatively locked down in this start. And for Luis Garcia, it's been a reversal of last season. 470 home ERA compared to a 237 road ERA thus far this season. Last year, that was a 424 road ERA compared to a 239 home ERA. But with Luis Garcia, I do think the things are going to be on an upward tick for him at home. He's given up eight home runs in 38 and a third innings. He needs to compare to five bombs in 38 innings on the road. Overall, opponents are only about a 210 off of him. He's getting a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. Not giving up a lot of walks right around two and a half walks per nine innings. And for Zach Greinke, not going to put the guys on cheaply. Giving up 1.6 walks per nine innings, right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings as well. But he gives you no swings and misses. A man that has been providing four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And with Granky, it has been an almighty slog from on the road. 214 home 690 ERA on the road with seven out of the eight home runs surrendered being on the road in just 30 innings. That is a massive issue for him. He clearly is pitching much better in Kansas City rather than on the road. And for the Kansas City Royals, they're dealing with some injuries in the bullpen. Josh Shamon is currently out the full. Jake Brents has been out for quite a while. And they did wind up using up Amir Garrett yesterday. That's actually a little bit of an upgrade with how bad he's been. Joel Payamps has been able to give you a relatively okay season. But Scott Barlow, he's starting to give up some runs. He wanted coming in yesterday and he wound up doing that. And for this Royals lineup, hard to have a lot of faith in these guys either. Kyle Isbell, Nicky Lopez, MJ Melendez, Bobby Wood Jr., along with Whit Merrifield, they're all in between about a 222 through 237. And really, the only guy that's been able to give you a double digit amount of homers is Bobby Wood Jr. because Salvador Perez is now currently out of the fold. Now, I will say, Hunter Dozier has been able to hit about a 260 for the team under Benetini above 300. And Ed Alvarez, whenever he's gotten opportunities, has been solved, but you've had just really no consistency with regards to this Royals team. And then with this Houston Astros bunch at the top, you've got a bunch of guys doing a good job of being able to get on base. Jake Myers, Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena, in between about a 273 to a 280, and this has been a bunch that has really been headlined by Jordan Alvarez, sitting for 24 home runs, being able to give the team north of a 400 on base, but Jose Altuve, 16 home runs, Jeremy Pena, 11 bombs for him, Kyle Tucker has been able to give you 16 home runs, he's sitting at 260 as well, you just have had a tough bottom of the fold with guys like Chaz McCormick, Mauricio Dubon, the entirety of the catcher spot, LMNDCS, not necessarily being able to get on base, but with guys like Rafael Montero, along with Ryan Sanic posting up a sub-2 ERA, bullpen has been absolutely lights out for this team, Ryan Presley has been able to be one of the more trustworthy closers out there in the big leagues over the last few years as well. So I feel comfortable laying this run line with the Houston Astros, even though they've had a little bit of a rough go of it because I do think that Zach Cranky going to be giving up plenty of runs on the road in this one. And I did wind up saying my total at an 8.3. So I'm looking at the 8 over and I'm looking at the Astros on the run line. 921-922 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins at third face off against the Chicago White Sox. Michael Kopech is going to be on the bump for the Sox. And Chris Archer is on the bump for Minnesota. 9 is your total. The over and the under. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 150 for the White Sox. They are minus 125 favorite and finding the Minnesota Twins anywhere between a plus 105 to a plus 115. When it comes to the total, I did wind up setting it a little bit lower at an 8.2, so I'm going to be taking a look at the under, but I feel like Michael Kopech should be more around a minus 155 favorite because I alluded to it with our good friend Andrew Cayley. You're going to need to get at least four innings out of this Minnesota bullpen at minimum with Chris Archer starting, and Archer hasn't been bad. A 308 ERA, you could use him cutting down on the walks, 4.5 walks per 
nine innings, but you know what you're going to get out of him. Four to five innings, he's probably going to give up right around two runs. If you're lucky, one or fewer. If you're really unlucky, more like three, but he's just been sort of a guy to come in and hold down the four end. When it comes to walk issues, Michael Kopech has been dealing with them as well, right around 3.8 walks per nine innings, and he's starting to see a little bit of negative regression on balls put in play because he's given up right around about five and a half hits per nine innings. It's been absolutely amazing to take a look at that. Three plus runs surrendered and now each out of his last three starts, but I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in a bit more as he's been much better at home than on the road. 208 home area, 351 ERA on the road, all five of his home runs surrendered. They have wound up coming on the road now. Opponents are at 0.97 off of them. In Chicago, you got to feel like that's going to be on a little bit of an upward climb, especially with the way that the Minnesota Twins have Luis Arias in the fold. Hitting at 345 has been absolutely incredible. Being a table setter, Carlos Correa, he's hitting right around 300 as well. And then he just got a lot of guys sort of in that 235 to a 245 fold in terms of batting average. Max Kepler, Ore Palanco, along with Jose Miranda, Alex Kurloff. They all find themselves in that neighborhood. Gio Rochelle has been able to get on base as well, but you do have Byron Buxton. Batting average is honestly been there from this season, but he's got north of 20 home runs, a home run every 10 and a half or so at bats. And for the Chicago White Sox, they do it about 45 to 50 points better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching, but got a lot of guys that have been able to get on base. As we had Andrew Bond, Luis Robert, along with Jose Abreu, hitting between about a 280 to a 300 and for Abreu. He's been hitting about a 340 over the last 30 days. Tim Anderson hitting a 330 overall this season, but guys at the bottom, Yo Mankata, Lurie Garcia, they haven't necessarily been able to do their part. They've actually gotten some good production out of Zebi Zavala ever since you wound up having Yasmani Grandal go out of the fold. I don't think that is 300 batting average. Is necessarily sustainable? And with Jose Abreu's home run yesterday, became the first player on the White Sox to be able to hit for a double digit amount of homers. So that's been interesting to take a look at him for the Chicago White Sox. Maybe deal some ailments in terms of the bullpen as well. As Lee Mendricks has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, may or may not be available for this game. Looks like there's a chance that he might be. With that said, you know that Kendall Graveman is going to be available. And then, as I said, a lot of guys are not necessarily so trustworthy. Jose Ruiz has been a little bit better over the last 30 days. North of a 4 ERA overall this season. Joe Kelly has been a hot mess. Right around a 771 ERA. Matt Foster, north of a 5 ERA. And for the Minnesota Twins, Griffin Jacks, Yuan Duran. They're going to need to lend a little bit of length. Both of these guys are capable of being able to give you multiple innings. Both of these guys, a sub-3-3 ERA. Trevor McGill has been up and down this season. Giving you a little bit better than a 2 ERA, but hasn't been able to say necessarily healthy. Giovanni Morin has been good in this Minnesota Twins bullpen as well, but Emilio Pagan, Caleb Theobar, along with Ty Duffy, blessing up north of five ERAs. That's not necessarily great either. So, do wind up saying the White Sox at a minus 156 in this spot. We'll to take the money line of Chicago, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under 923-924 on the betting board. The Toronto Blue Jays hit the road to face off against the Oakland A's. As you've got Adrian Martinez is going to be on the bump for the A's, and Yusei Kikuchi is on the bump for the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are finding themselves as a sizable favorite. And between minus 175 and minus 190. Meanwhile, you're getting any Anywhere between plus 160 and plus 165 on Oakland, with eight being your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I set my total at a little bit north of an eight and a half, 8.9 to be exact. I mean, at a nine, I would start to consider the under just because Oakland. It is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark during the nighttime with a marine layer out, things like that. But you don't need the marine layer to be out to give up walks. And that's what Yusei Kikuchi has been doing this season, giving up five walks per nine innings. So, pitching in Oakland is going to be an advantage for him because he's given up more than two home runs per nine innings. But Adrian Martinez, 10 innings pitch thus far this season, 6.30 ERAs, giving up a pair of bombs. Even when he was with the Las Vegas Aviators, this guy had north of a four ERA. Not a guy that really impressed me whatsoever. Gets an okay amount of swings and misses. Doesn't necessarily walk a ton of guys, but 
just gives up loads of our contact and for the Oakland A's. It has been a hot mess when it comes to this bullpen as well as Danny Jimenez is currently on the injured list and Puck AJ Ball. Both of these guys have been able to post up a sub-3 ERA, but the Oakland A's over the last three days, 559 bullpen ERA while allowing right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. The big thing is they're just allowing a lot of contact and a lot of contact in general, which is why you're going to be relying upon someone like a Domingo Acevedo to try to be able to hold it down. Ian Zach Jackson right around a 3-5 ERA. Awesome Pruitt has been posting up north of a 5 ERA and for the Blue Jays, it's not like you're looking at the world's greatest bullpen with this team either. Adam Simber has been posting up a little bit south of a 4 ERA. Trevor Richards is back at the fold, but he has had a very bad year. He and Sergio Romo both have ERAs that are hovering north of 6. Trent Thornton has been a little bit up and down, but Tim Mays and David Phelps both have sub-3 ERAs and for this Toronto Blue Jays team. Just have a team that in general has been able to put bad to ball George Springer, along with Boba Shett, Liger Jr. at the top, in between about a 255 to a 270 with Guerrero being able to give you 19 home runs. Alejandro Kirk hitting above a 300. Lourdes Gurriel, he's hitting just below a 300. And Teoscar Hernandez over the last three days hitting above a 300. And that's more than what you could say for this Oakland A's team. Prior to the start of Monday's game, everyone in the starting lineup was hitting at 239 or lower. I wish I was making this up. You didn't have a single player in the starting lineup hitting at least a 240. That's just incredible. Seth Brown has been able to give the team 10 home runs. Only guy that has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers thus far this season. I mean, you're right now giving guys like a Stephen Bolt starts, and man, it's really gotten bad. Ramon Laureano is able to give you a little bit north of a 300 on base, but you really don't have a lot of redeeming qualities when it comes to this Oakland A's offense. They're bad at home. They're bad on the road. They're not giving you any power whatsoever. You say Kikuchi is not a great pitcher, so I do think that they'll be able to scratch across a couple of runs, but starting out there, Adrian Martinez is pretty much a human white flag. Wound up setting the Blue Jays as a little bit north of a $2 favorite on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, buying this anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 120 here, so we're going to be looking at that Blue Jays run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this little over as we go to 925-926 on the main board. The Seattle Mariners they throw to face off against the San Diego Padres as Mike Clevenger is going to be going for the pods and Logan Gilbert on the bump for Seattle. Seattle is finding themselves as a plus 110 to a plus 115 underdog. Minus 125 to minus 130 is your price on San Diego. 7 is your total over Zenny between minus 110 to minus 120. Under Zenny between even and minus 105. Seeing straight 7.5 out there as well. That under is minus 120 and the over is even. I did wind up saying my total at a 6.7. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. You've had Logan Gilbert just be absolute magic thus far this season for the Seattle Mariners. And when it comes to this game, by the way, 1.10 p.m. Pacific time first pitch. Do note that this is a matinee game because this is one that turns the bottom of the board because of the way that things are set up with interleague games being at the bottom. But with Logan Gilbert, he has been very good on the road. 255 road ERA, 281 ERA at home. He's given up 10 home runs overall over the course of 94 and two-thirds innings. So, so a nice job holding down the fourth there. It gives up right around two and a half blocks per nine innings. A little bit over nine strikeouts per nine. And for Mike Clevenger, has not necessarily been able to lend a lot of length, but was finally able to bust through that five-inning plateau in his last start against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Six strong innings, gave up one hit. By far his best start since coming off of the injury list after he missed all the 2020 season. And still a good swing and miss guy. Able to give you nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. It's just a case of which can he wind up being able to control his really good stuff. I've always had a little bit of a walks issue throughout his career. Right around three walks per nine innings. I expect him to go between five and six. 
six innings in this one. And for the San Diego Padres, bullpen has honestly been too great for the seam raker and has had his issues out there in the bullpen. And it was a case in which they just wound up having to mix and match a whole bunch of guys yesterday. Craig Salmon wound up getting used up in the Bell Crisman. It's someone that's able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Taylor Rogers has been one of the better closers out there in the big leagues. And then you take a look at the San Diego Padres lineup. Really the only guy that's been able to give you double-digit amount of homers other than Manny Machado has been Luke Voigt with his center home runs. He's only hitting a 230 now. Yeah, guys have been able to step up in terms of batting average as Noah Mazzara, Jorge Alfaro, along with Eric Osmer, in between about a 275 to 285. Machado, he's hitting a 320 double-digit amount of homers out of him. Drixon Profar, Jake Cronworth, both hitting in that pocket about a 245, but just seeing a little bit more out of that lineup. And for the Padres, they're averaging over five runs per game when they are on the road at home. More like 3.4, so big drop-off there. And for the Seattle Mariners, they're still missing Ty France, but they got back J.P. Crawford on Monday. He's been waited right around at 270 for this bunch at Julio Rodriguez. 15 home runs, right around 20 stolen bases. He has been just absolutely magnificent for the team at the top, but take a look at the bottom. Abraham Toro, Justin Upton, Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, all these guys are hitting a 200 or lower. Carlos Santana, barely above a 200 for the team, so got a lot of issues there, but the Seattle Mariners, second best bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last three days. They did wind up having to use up Eric Swanson yesterday, but Ian Penn Murphy have been able to post up a sub-2 ERA. They did have to DFA Drew's second rider, but Ken Giles looks like the Ken Giles of old right now. You've had Andres Munoz after a really rough start to the season really be able to figure it out over the last three days. He has a sub-2 ERA, so that's been a very pleasant sight. This is a spot in which I do think that Logan Gilbert needs to be a little bit closer to a plus-120 because I do think that the San Diego Padres going to be able to get good Mike Clevenger in this game. I think that it's going to be a nice pitcher's duel, but I do think that in the end, San Diego, a little bit more depth than their lineup, especially you just haven't had Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker be the guys that they were in Cincinnati, as you do have Suarez being able to give you 13 home runs right around 240 batting average, but Jesse Winker having a little bit of a tough season. So, looking at the under and with the San Diego Padres, I wound up saying them a minus 122 on the money line. When it comes to the run line, right now you're able to get about a plus 165 to a plus 170. I do think that this is a Mariners bullpen that if you take a look at the fielding independent that they posted over the last three days, they are going to be doing for some negative regression as they had a 276 ERA, but a fielding independent that was more in the neighborhood of a 364. If anything right now, I'd be taking a look at the Padres on the run line. If we could get down to a minus 122, we'd be looking there. Or if we wind up getting a Mariners north of plus 120 money line, I'd be willing to nibble there. But at current numbers, I'd be looking Padres run line along with the under, but late night line movement will be dictating that one. 927, 928 on the for the LA Angels. They throw it to face off against the Miami Marlins. Cindy Alcantara is going to be going for the fish. And Noah Thor Syndergaard is on the bump for LA. LA is finding themselves between a plus 115 to a plus 129 underdog. And between minus 130 and minus 139 is your price on Miami. 7 is your total over anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 125. The under getting it anywhere between a plus 105 to a minus 115. So this one is clearly all over the place. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.1. So here at a 7, I am going to be one to nibble on the over just because this is a pair of bullpen set. They currently rank in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of ERA. Rossio Iglesias, Aaron Loop, Brian Tapera. Your 7th through ninth inning guys for the LA Angels, all posting up north of a 3-5 ERA. Guys like Andrew Wants and Jose Quijada have become the best bullpen pieces for this team. And then on the flip side for the Miami Marlins, Lewis Head had a 1-1-2 ERA heading into the month of June, and he left it with north of a 6 ERA and being on the injured list. 
Anthony Bass has been able to do a nice job being able to give the team some good innings, but when you've got guys like Richard Plyer getting trotted out there from the bullpen, Tommy Nance, and they're north of five ERAs, that's not necessarily too terrific, and for Noah Syndergaard has not been the same pitcher on the road as he has been at home. 262 home ERA, 653 ERA on the road now, pitching in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. That's going to be able to help him out because Noah Syndergaard, since coming back from injury, not the same guy in terms of being able to get swings and misses, right around six strikeouts per nine innings now. The command has not been bad. He's been able to give you right around 2.2 to 2.3 blocks per nine innings. And then you take a look at Sandy Alcantara. Just an ultimate grinder right now. Buck 95 ERA. He comes out and he expects to be able to finish his game. Says he has went at least seven innings. And now each out of his last, I believe, eight starts. It might actually be nine starts. But he has really been able to do a nice job of being able to shove in general for the team. And he's given up two earned runs or fewer in all but one of those starts. In which he has went seven plus innings. So it has been highly impressive to take a look there. Now, when it comes to Sandy Alcantara, he's helped out a little bit by the ballpark. Buck 80 home ERA compared to a 211 road ERA, but he's actually given up more home runs at home than he has on the road, so I do find that to be fascinating, and he's only given up right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. Now, you do take a look at the LA Angels lineup, though, and you got a lot of power in it. Mike Trout has been in a little bit of a funk recently, but he still has been able to supply 23 home runs. He's hitting right around 270 for the team, and then you've got the duo of Shoei Otani along Jared Walsh. Both of these guys hitting between a 252 and 265. Combined 27 home runs out of them. Taylor Ward has no idea how to run the bases, but he's got a 400 on base percentage. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of formers as well. You need some of the guys towards the bottom of the fold, like a Max Stassi, like a Jack Mayfield. You're able to throw in their Andrew Velasquez to be able to pick it up as well. And then you take a look at this Miami Marlins team, and they're currently dealing with injuries to guys like a Jazz Chisholm, who's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, Orde Soler. He's currently on the 10-day injured list as well, but he wasn't necessarily hitting for average, much like we've been seeing out of Gary Cooper. sitting at 315. He has been magnificent for this bunch. You've got Miguel Ross now hitting a little bit above a 250 alone. Jazz Chisholm, whenever he's been out there, you've had John Birdie be able to provide a 270 batting average. Not necessarily a ton of power outside of Jazz Chisholm and Orde Soler, but Asus Aguiar, he's up to a double-digit amount of homers. He's been with a 250 for this bunch. So I do think that the Miami Marlins, they're going to be able to knife into that. LA Angels bullpen. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression here for Sandy Alcantara, but I still like him enough to be able to lay it in this spot. I wound up setting Alcantara at a minus 148. I do not want any part of a run line in a game that I think is going to be relatively low scoring. At a 7, I'm willing to take a look at the over though, and I'm willing to lay it here with Miami and we wrap things up with 929-930 on the main board. The New York Yankees are on the road facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Jose Quintana is on the bump for the Buccos and Jamison Dion reunited with the Buccos and with the Buccos, you're going to be find them in between a plus 185 to a plus 203. He worked between minus 215 and minus 225, seeing his trade minus 205 out there. That is your price on the Yankees with 8 nap being your total. Under is any between minus 110 and minus 115. Over is any between minus 110 and minus 105. Did mind saying my total is 7.8. Jamison Tyon, in terms of starting pitchers out there in the big leagues, depending on what you look at, he's either been number one or number two in terms of most money won if you've taken him on the money line in every one of his starts thus far this season. The Yankees have been incredible, and Jamison Tyon, he has been along for the ride, and a big reason why Jamison Tyon has been so effective in his starts as far as this season. He's not putting guys on base cheaply. 1.2 walks per nine innings. He's also giving up 0.9 home runs per nine. Now, he's not getting a lot of strikeouts. Right around 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but every time he winds up taking the mound, he's able to lend a lot of length because he's not wasting a lot of pitches. And he's been better on the road than he has been at home. 270 road ERA, 373 ERA at home with just three home runs and 33 in the third innings surrendered on the road. And then for Jose Quintana, not much of a swing and miss guy himself. 
He's getting right around 7.5 strikeouts per 9 innings. His walks per 9 rate, that over's in the neighborhood about 2.8, but for Jose Quintana, he's been able to do a solid job at home as well. 3.15 home ERA, 3.86 ERA on the road with 4 home runs given up in 45 and 2 thirds innings in Pittsburgh thus far this season. Opponents overall in a 2.47 off of him, and what has been interesting about this Pirates team is that all but I believe now 6 out of their wins have come out of the bullpen this season, even though the bullpen hasn't necessarily been so great. It's a bullpen that, in terms of ERA, they're right around league average. You've had David Benar be able to post up a sub-250 ERA. Yuri De Los Santos has actually been very solid for this bunch as well. And you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates over the last three days. This bullpen is really starting to regress 545 ERA. A lot of that is because you've got guys like Chris Strain getting innings out of the bullpen. It's not been great there. Chase Young has been able to do a solid job, but you do have some less than trustworthy guys like Aaron Fletcher. And for the New York Yankees, they posted up a bullpen ERA of a 203 over the last three days. That is the best out there in the big leagues. The former Pittsburgh Pirate and Clay Holmes, after he wound up having some bad moments with Pittsburgh, he has been remade. A sub-1 ERA. He has been amazing. Wandy Peralta posting up a sub-250 ERA of his own. You've had Michael King be able to do a good job of being able to lend multiple innings. Albert Abreu has been able to give you some nice innings. And then for the New York Yankees, you've got a duo in Aaron Judge along with Anthony Rizzo who would be able to give you 51 home runs. To put this into perspective, going into their double dip on Monday, the Detroit Tigers, 44 home runs as a team. We've had quite a few guys being able to get on base to be able to make these solo shots more like two to three run shots as well as you've got Gleyber Torres, Marwin Gonzalez, Isaiah Canera-Falefa, Jose Trevino, DJ Turner up LeMayu. All in between about a 250 to 262. Miguel Anduar is back full. John Carlos Sane. He's saying a 245. He's been able to supply 22 home runs thus far this season. Josh Donaldson has been able to provide a 320 on base. Really other than Joe Yell, all these guys are firing on all cylinders. Just too much firepower when it comes to this New York Yankees team to be able to take a shot here on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I needed at least a plus 225 to be able to take a shot there. And if you're looking at this Yankees run line, finding it any between as low as a minus 120 at DraftKings, a lot of other spots have it out of minus 130. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 145 because I do think that Tyon going to be able to get it done. And I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to get into that Pirates bullpen and get enough runs to be able to get it done. So looking at the under and looking at the Yankees on the run line, and that'll wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to Andrew Kaylee of Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at underscore one Keep in mind, loaders, yeah, maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find the five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 